0: God, I thank you for your word and I praise you, God, that you put some hard things in here. <laughs> Lord, that it's not all milk. It's not all rainbows and sunshine, Lord, that there's some parts in here, Lord, that we really have to chew on and dig in and 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 seek understanding, God, and I'm so thankful for that, Lord, that you didn't um sell us short, Lord, that you didn't think that we weren't capable, God. And so God, I pray now, Father, for each one here, Lord, regardless of what what they've come in from, regardless of where they're at with you, Lord, regardless of any of that, Lord, God, I pray now, Lord, that your word, Father, which we know your word says, Lord, it will not return void. And so, God, would you speak to each one here? Father, would you get me out of the way? Lord, we want to hear from you. And so, God, as we dig in, as as we parse this out, Lord, as we chew on it, God, would you give us everything we need, Father, wisdom, discernment, knowledge, God, understanding. Father, we trust you. We know, Father, that you provide your word, tells us that, Lord, that we ask and we don't ask amiss. So, God, we come to this scripture, Lord, now, knowing that you're going to speak. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. So, we're looking today at judgment, right? Do not judge. And I want to I start off by saying that today may blow some people's paradigm completely apart. You ready for that? You excited? Yeah, most people are not ecstatic, right? Like, what? What? huh right so listen here's the truth i hope today that we're going to combat some false notions some 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 maybe possibly you know false ideas or just misconceptions about what this passage is really speaking about and the most important thing i want to say to you guys if you're hearing you're a believer do not accept what i say just don't just be like oh okay that's good i'm going to drink that down that's called drinking Kool-Aid we don't want that right? We want you guys to chew on it. I want you to really say, Lord, what does this mean? Right? And yes, I did study pretty hard for this. So I'm not coming at this all willy nilly. I have looked at this. And so I pray that the Lord's given me the words to speak, but listen, this is hard stuff, right? As I studied, there's a lot of theologians and, and commentators that actually disagree with each other on this. So this is not easy stuff and that's okay. But as we're working through this, can I encourage you guys Don't just, and I say this all the time, don't just hear this and walk out and forget it, right? Don't be the person that looks in the mirror and then is like, walks away and like, what do I look like again, right? We're told not to do that. We're told to continue to process and chew and think. Let's do that. Let's be Bereans. Let's be people that are digging in. Amen. Verse one of chapter seven says this: Judge not, that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and which the measure, excuse, me, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So the truth is is that, remember, in context, we've been digging through the Sermon on the Mount this whole time, and what have we seen over and over and over again? Jesus saying to his disciples, "Listen, this is what the Pharisees do do something different." This is how the Pharisees look at things and and how they react to things and how they function. And I'm telling you, do something different. And so it's no different here. And we've got to keep that context because this verse so often is looked upon by people in the church and out, mainly by people outside the church. They can know nothing about the rest of scripture, but boy, they know this verse. You can't even know where it is probably half the time, but they're like, do not judge. That's what the Bible says, right? you're like, do you even know what that means? The truth is, is that the Pharisees judged with harshness. They judged with disdain. They did their best to make every other Jew, every other person look lesser than. That was the whole concept. That was their their whole idea. And it was by design. Because whenever everybody was lesser than them, they had authority. They had power. They had all the things that they were looking for. And all the lesser people were like, oh, tell me what to do. Oh, Holy Father, right? They were just all like bowing down all the time and being crazy. And the truth is, is that here's Jesus, right? Comes on the earth, the perfect son of man. And guess what? The Pharisees judged him too. So the judgy judgertons were off. They were wrong, (laughs) right? And so the whole idea here is what Jesus is saying is not that we shouldn't use discernment. He's not saying to his disciples, listen, just let everything go. It's okay. It doesn't matter what people do or say. It's all good. That's not at all what he's saying. That's what the world thinks it says. But it's not what he's getting at. He's saying, don't judge like the Pharisees. Judge not lest ye be judged. In other words, if you're going to give it out and you're going to hammer people, well, then expect to hammer back. Right? Even the best Christian in the world can only endure so much hammering before you're like, pow, right? I'm giving it back to you. Hopefully not physically. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. But the truth is, is a quote Spurgeon has that I want to read about this passage of scripture. This was his comment on this and I love it. It says, we do not object to people forming a fair opinion of our character. Neither are we forbidden to do the same toward them. But as we would object to their sitting in judgment on us, we should not sit in judgment on them. This is not the day of judgment nor Are we his majesty's judges? We're not God's judges. The Pharisees were not God's judges. That's what we're called not to be. So what are we called to be? Well, when we look in context, we see here that he's saying to his disciples, listen, do not judge one another in harshness. Don't act like you're better than. You're not a better human. You're not. Anybody here think they are? They're not. You're not. I'm not. If you're hammering someone and crushing their spirit, you're not being godly. (laughs) You're being the opposite of godly. And the truth is, this is exactly what the Pharisees were doing with their fellow Jews. Beating them down. Telling them all their faults. So instead, Jesus was saying, look, there's a way to go about judging. Or let's use another word, discerning and pointing out the things in others. And so I want to say to you guys... The context here as we read it is that right now he's speaking to his disciples about his disciples. He's not speaking about the world. He's not speaking about anybody else. So let's keep the context. Right now we're focused inward. We're looking at the church. And that's what Jesus was looking at. He's saying, look, as disciples, this is what it should look like. You shouldn't be judging in harshness. You shouldn't be saying these things to just hammer someone's faults and doing all these things. He's saying, listen, you all have faults. If you hammer someone and someone hammers you back, guess what? At the end of the day, you both realize we're both screwed up. So what's the better way? There is a better way. The truth is, is that we are called to be fruit inspectors. Right? And I, <laughs> I shocked people in the first service because I said something. But the truth is, here's what fruit inspection is not. It is not hearing someone gossip and then going over and be like, Ha-ha! I got you! You loser, right? Like that's not inspecting fruit. The idea of fruit inspection is that you are real with the people that you're around. And those people are real with you. And in the process of that, guess what, guys? Nobody here is perfect. So some things are going to come to the surface that they're going to say, you know... Can we talk about that? Because I don't see that scripturally. I don't, I don't know if that's right. Your, your F words are probably not the best choice of words. Maybe you want to pick a different one. And we can look at that. And we can see scripturally that crass language is not acceptable, right? And so we can work on that. And, and that person then can say, instead of being like, you're a loser, you're an idiot. What are you doing? I can't believe you're in God's house and you're saying those things. Instead, you can be like, guess what? I struggle with that too. Or guess what? I used to really, really struggle with that. And God took that away from me. So can I pray with you about that? Can we, can we talk about that? That is healthy. We are not here to walk in with our little Sunday face and walk back out with the same Sunday face and nothing changed. That's not what church is for. That's not the point. The point is to be real with one another. And I love that our church is pretty real, right? If you're hearing you're fake, I feel like 10 to one, you feel uncomfortable. And I love that. Be uncomfortable, please find comfort in being who you really are. That's, that's what God wants us to be so that he can change us so that a year down the road, you're a clearer image of who Jesus is than you were a year before. But I'll tell you, if you come in with your little plastic face, nothing changes. You're still Barbie. You're still Ken. Nothing's changed. Stop being plastic, right? Like that's the point of church. And so here Jesus is saying like, listen, we are fruit inspectors. We can see each other's Actions we can see each other's attitudes. We can look and say you're ticked off about something what's going on And then it's your choice as the person that's ticked off to be real and say yes, I am My wife made me very angry, right? She told me how to drive the whole way here. right? Like whatever this is The truth is guys. Here's what we're not called to do and here's what we can't do We're not god We cannot judge someone's heart We cannot judge someone's motives. We really can't We cannot look at someone and be like, you're angry, and I know exactly what that means. It's because your heart is very dark, and you are this, and you are that, and you pretty much hate me, don't you? You know, like, we can't assume all these things. That's not what, right? That's judgment. That's judgment in the sense of what's being talked about here. That's We don't do that. That's between you and God. But what I can see is that you're not happy. And I can say what's going on and have a conversation with you about that. That's worthwhile. That's beneficial. And that's not judgment. You understand that's not judging someone that's recognizing that the whole goal of church, the whole goal of being fellow believers, one with another is to sharpen each other and to grow closer to God and who God wants us to be. So it's going to require us bumping up against each other and us being real with one another and us really saying what we think sometimes. And then even if sometimes we're like, you know, I know this isn't right, but I, I feel this way right now. And then other people can come alongside and say, dude, I want to pray with you about that. I want to pray with you about the heart that you've got right now, right? Like, because you're being honest with me. You're telling me that that's what you're thinking. Well, let's pray about that because you know that's not right. That's a healthy thing. That's a good thing. Verse 3. It says, and why do you look at the speck at your brother's eye and do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove this speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So Jesus now is going further. First, he says, like, look, don't be like the Pharisees. Don't judge them that way. But listen, also, one point before you even begin, recognize your own fruit. How rotten is your fruit? How big of a plank do you have sticking out of your own eye? And this is not a negative thing, because the fact is, guys, in case you didn't know, we all have some rotten fruit. Nobody here is perfect. Your one fruit might be wonderful and beautiful, like this pear is delicious, right? And then you might have a rotten strawberry that you're like, this stinks, right? We all have stuff on our vine that's messed up. And we all have stuff as a believer that God's working on. It's like, wow, this is good fruit now. It wasn't before, but God brought it back to life. But we still have rotten fruit. And so what he's saying is, check it. Check yourself. Don't just assume that you're the one that God's calling to go and point out that point in another brother's life. Like, man, you got a problem. And he's using hyperbole here. You guys, God has a sense of humor. It's okay when you read the word and you're like, wait a minute, a speck and a plank. Like, here's literally what he's getting at. He's like, someone has the tiniest little sliver of wood in their eye, and you're walking around with a telephone sticking out of, telephone pole sticking out of yours, and you're like, I'm going to get that for you. Right? And you're like walking around and smacking them in the face and knocking their head right off. You're not the guy. Not right now. You're not the girl. That's the point he's making. He's making a ridiculous point to try and get something across. And that is this. Recognize your own planks. Recognize the times that you have a pole sticking out of your eyeball. You may not be the guy. You may not be the person that's ready for that. Is your fruit rotten? And here's a good way to tell. If you're going to speak to someone because you're trying to boost your own ego to make them feel bad so you feel better, wrong. If you're going to do this, and I've seen this happen a lot in church where they're like, did you know brother so-and-so struggles with pornography? You know, let's pray about that. And then you find out that so do they. And so they're doing it to try to keep the spotlight off of them and try to point it to someone else. That's wrong. Right? Like the fact is, is that we all have... Telephone poles sticking out of our eye in certain ways. And we all have slivers in our eye sometimes. And sometimes God has taken that telephone pole away. Maybe you have struggled with porn for years and maybe God's removed that from you. And guess what? You may be the very person that can go to that other brother and say, listen, I know where you're at. I know what's going on with you. Let's talk about it. Let me pray with you about that. Let me be an accountability partner with you. Keep me accountable because I could just as easily go back to it. Right? Like that's a real conversation. That's recognizing your own self before you walk up and start blabbing. And so this is what he's getting at here. He's like, listen, don't be walking around worrying about other people's specs when you haven't even taken some, some account of yourself, right? So here's the other thing. And it's kind of important to point out because today, if we get a sliver in our eye, we've got plenty of great eye doctors who can do great and amazing things in getting them out. And there's usually not even any problem with it. But back in the day, guys, if anybody went to a surgeon to get a small sliver removed, it may, it quite possibly, percentage-wise, had much more of a chance of blindness than of healing it. Like it, it wasn't good, right? We know that medicine back then wasn't fantastic. They weren't like penicillin, we got it, yeah, right. So like, they didn't know what they were doing. They were struggling through things, and so a lot of times people were blind. And so, what's he getting at here? He's saying, listen, you guys recognize that we're all sinners, that which means we all have death in our life, and God is working that out of us. And he's saying, like, take, give me that death, give me the stuff in your life, give me the old man, kill him. Take care of it so that you can walk in the freedom of life so that you can walk in the freedom of Christ and and all of the grace and mercy that he's poured out in our lives. So, yes, that's true of all of us. And we've all got this stuff. But he's saying, listen, we need to recognize that we all have that. Why am I saying that? Well, because as much as we need to be willing to be told that something's going on in our life, we also as a church need to be willing to tell. So. This is not an excuse to say, "Hmm, I'm never saying anything because turn to one, I've got a plank in my eye on everything. No, you don't. There are things that God wants to speak to someone else through your life. Mm -hmm. Period. You don't get to escape that. There's work here. I've said it a thousand times, right? We're here at church to do work. The work of working out our salvation with fear and trembling. The work of sharpening one another. The work of actually seeking and saying, I don't have it together and neither do you. But if you're telling me something, then let's pray about that together because I want to hear that. I want to grow. I don't want to be stuck with a blind spot that, no, I'm not willing to hear from anybody about. Right? Like, we don't want to walk out of here the same as we walked in. This is not a a checked block. We're not here to do church and then walk out and be okay. I'm here to do what God wants me to do is grow, be changed, be made new. I'm here to get a glimpse of heaven during worship. You guys, I'm back there and I'm like, I cannot wait to get to heaven. I'm sorry. This is a side note. I can't wait to get to heaven and have a million people ripping my face off with their voices, singing out to the Lord. I, dude, I'm so glad we're going to have new skin because I really think this skin would be like, like just, right, it'd be torn off. Like, I really believe that like, God has given us this time here to sing praise. God has given us this time here to grow together. God has given us this time here to dig into his word and to chew on it. God has given us all this time and what are we going to do with it? The truth is, if you're willing to admit your own sin and failings in areas, then you're going to be used by God to speak that into other people's lives as well. It's truth. And the truth is, is that it's going to look different. The Pharisee would be screaming out. And guys, you've seen these in church. You've seen Pharisees in church, haven't you? Like they're the ones that are like, ah, you're a loser. I can't believe you do that. You looked at porn. Oh my gosh. Right? You're such a gossip. Oh my gosh. I don't even want to be around you. Right? You're scum. You're this, you're that. Right? Like all these different words. Sinner, freak. The disciple though, and the whole point of this, is that Jesus is saying, the disciples are going to come privately, one-on-one. The disciples are going to say, you know, I have a really hard time with this area in my life, too. And I want to pray with you about it. Because I've noticed that you seem angry at your wife sometimes. And why? Like, let's pray about that. Is there something going on? Can we help out? Can we pray about that together? You know, I, I noticed that you feel disconnected during church. You know, I used to, too. And, and then I signed up. This is a little plug. I signed up for ushering. And, man, my whole life changed. <laughs> Right. Like there's those moments in life when, you know, look, God uses us in each other's lives and we get to be that person because we've walked through some things on our own. Right. Like, man, you're not serving in church, but you feel disconnected from church. I've got the answer. It's pretty easy. Maybe you're not seeing it, but serve. You'll be connected. It just goes hand in hand. Right. Like there's those opportunities that we have as disciples to love one another. And it's tough for us, isn't it? It's tough. It's easy to be the pharisee. It's easy to be above Isn't it? It's easy to be like oh, dude, I am obviously so much better than you in every way You will never attain my level Right like no that that's way easier, but it's it's stupid and dumb and it and it it has no value in god's kingdom None and it's the way the world is isn't it? How many times working in the... I was in the military for 15 years. I promise you, I don't know how many times that I got angry and I said something maybe I shouldn't have. And the first words out of people's mouths were like, you call yourself a Christian. (laughs) And I'm like, dude, you've said that word 70 times today. I said it once. Are you for real? Right? The world loves to be the Pharisee. That shouldn't be so for us. Let's love each other enough to say hard things to one another and let's love each other enough to have open ears to hear it. That's a hard work. That's a good work. Truth is, we all have planks and I want to point out some things here just to kind of reinforce this. Flip over with me to Proverbs. Chapter 27. Just to show you guys, this isn't my own thoughts. These are biblical here. They're here. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 5 says this. Oh, I like that sound. Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. And look over just a few verses in verse 17. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. You guys notice that the word friend is used so often in there? You're a friend if you're willing to be honest with someone. And you're a friend if you're willing to be raw and real with everybody, with your other friends. And we call our church a family. And there are people that think that church isn't a family and that that there's this sense of like fakery. And the truth is, is that it is very possible when people say that to me, I'm like, you're absolutely right. I've been to plenty of churches that are like that, that are country clubs. And the reality is, is that any church can become that in a very short amount of time. And you know what avoids that? You yourself not being that. How did every beginning happen of every uh, revival? Every one of them started with people, human beings themselves saying, God, I know who I am. I'm the scum of the earth, Lord, but you're. You're great and you're mighty and you're perfect and and I love you and I want more of you. And then a group of people within a church body got together and they're like, we're feeling the same thing. And they grew and there was something special about that God used it. And there was a revival that blew out a lot of times from New England. But it started here, tiny, a thing that started because people read these things and said, this is true and I want more of this. I promise you guys the world can say all the world wants the world can uh, You know think that the church is fake and think that the church is whatever And the reality is is that a church that's real the fakers will leave or be uncomfortable That's just the facts But the reality is is that a church that's real and a church that's growing is attractive to those out in the world because the world Judges themselves the world judges you the world judges everybody And when they look and see a group of people that are not living that way, it's attractive They're like what? What is going on in there like what's happening and they want to know more about it It's just the reality of the situation And here's the truth We keep talking about judgment and we know we're not supposed to be in judgment But can I say one thing the other thing we definitely don't want to do and we've been talking about this Is the fact that we don't want to just Turn our head and like ignore the stuff that's happening in christians lives So flip over with me in first corinthians Paul here is, you know, the Corinthian church, if you guys have ever read this letter, both of the letters to the Corinthians, that church was messed up, right? Kind of like us, right? We're all messed up. But this church here, wow. So in chapter 5, they're dealing with a very specific issue. And let's read about it. Chapter 5, verse 1 says, It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles, that a man has his father's wife. So listen. Listen. What Paul's saying is like, dude, you are so perverted and sick right now. Like that, like even the heathens outside look in and are like, ew, for real, the guy's sleeping with his stepmom. That's disgusting. Like, think about that. Let's keep reading. It says, and you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you for indeed I as absent in body, but present in spirit have already judged As though as as though I were present him who has so done this deed in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. I'm going to read that again because I want you to hear the heart of Paul. He's not saying crush him, make him feel horrible. He's saying this deliver such a one to Satan, send him out in the world so that their flesh is destroyed, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that even a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. We don't walk around beating each other down in judgment, but guys, we love believers enough to call out the junk. We love believers enough even guys. And, and I've had these hard conversations. I had a few this weekend of hard conversations where people were like, I don't think the church is really necessary in the time of COVID. I think that we really don't need this. And I'm like, no, actually in the scripture, it says, do not forsake the fellowshiping of the saints. If that means you have to be online because you're very health-compromised, awesome. I'm glad we have that opportunity. But listen, the whole point is you don't just stop church. God is more important than COVID. I wasn't going to talk about COVID today. Dang it. God is more... Listen, would you stop going to Market Basket where the food is? Because to me, God is as important as food. I'm not going to stop Market Basket, and I ain't going to stop church. And so the point is, guys, is are are we willing to call out the garbage and let them figure out if they're going to go out and deal in the world and be with Satan for a little while? But the truth is, we never stop praying. We never stop seeking God for them. We never stop and say, like, fine, do your own thing. No, quite the contrary. We say, God, please bring them back. Please help them see the error in their ways. Please help them see that they're getting eaten alive out here. Right? We're sheep. We do better as a herd. We don't do well on our own. Verse 6: Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. So we need to ask a question here: Who are the dogs and who are the pigs? The broad, really broad brush answer is this. The, the, the dogs and the pigs that he's speaking of here are those that don't believe in God. That don't believe that Jesus is the son of God. That's the broad brush. The more nuanced answer, though, is those that are unbelievers and are hostile or cynical to God. That's more the more nuanced answer here. And you can go read a lot of different commentaries and people don't agree on this verse. And it's a very hard verse. So listen, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you what I believe this means, but... Be Bereans. Go search it out. It's not an easy verse. I also will say this. When we read through this, can I say, this is not as negative as it sounds. And and I'm going to tell you what I mean there. When we look at this, and I've already talked about this, the world loves this idea of judge not lest ye be judged. Because what they think Jesus is getting at is that it's a broad brush. That it's saying universally, all Christians should accept any lifestyle whatsoever universally any Christian should accept every religious expression, right? coexist That's what the world says that verse means. And it's not true. And so here we've been dealing inside the church. Jesus has been looking at. And then we get to verse 6 and he's saying the, the dogs and the pigs. He's referring to those outside the church. He's referring to those that don't believe. And the reality is, is that it sounds mean, doesn't it? But the truth is, is that when we look and we're in among believers and we're looking at that, we're supposed to be calling these things out in love and humility and always with an aim towards growing us both together towards God. That's the idea. But the truths and the wisdom that we speak, these little pearls of wisdom are useful in the church because people see their value. Fellow believers see the value whenever you come and say, dude, you got to like reconcile with your wife. You can't just keep living the way you are. It's not good. A believer is going to say you're right. I want to. I see that that's valuable. People in the world, there's a bigger fish to fry. Do you know what that fish is? Them coming to Christ. That's the point. Right? Like, When you look at the life of Christ, do you see him pointing out every last little thing that was wrong with every last little person? Did he go to Zacchaeus and be like, you're a moron, man. Oh my gosh. And by the way, you're short. And also, you did this and you do that. Oh, you loser, right? Like, that's not what Jesus did. He said, dude, come on. We're going to dinner at your house. You're buying. Right? The point is, is that, yes, there are pigs and there are dogs. And yes the Jewish people viewed them as, as not clean. And the reality is, if we keep the concept of not clean, and we recognize that we're not clean except for Jesus, then we can say, without being painful or hurtful, yeah, you're unclean. That's, that's, that's what you are, right? Just like I was until I came to Jesus. And so let me tell you about him. Let me get you to a point where you recognize who Jesus is. And that's something that only God can do, but he uses us in it. But the truth is, is we're never supposed to stop praying for people like that. But we also are supposed to be wise and discerning and not just throw our pearls before swine. If you tell someone that they swear too much and they don't know Jesus, do you know what they're going to think of you? You're an idiot. Like, why, why do you care how I talk? Why, it doesn't matter. And the truth is, does it matter? Do those words, when they say those words, does that melt you? Are you like, I'm melting, oh! You know, or like, oh, my virgin ears, right? Like, no, they're words. I love talking to people and I I love when they don't ask what I do for a living because you get to really hear who they are. I love it because they're like, they're just swearing and going crazy. and You're like, okay, you know, that's awesome because that's who they really are. Because the second they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm a pastor. They're Like, oh, okay. Uh, um, uh." And then I'm like, dude, that sucks because I don't get to know who you really are now. Right? Like, because I want to tell you about Jesus. Don't clean yourself up on account of me because that's not real cleaning. Right. And I think that that's kind of what he's getting at here. Like, don't be throwing stuff out to try to clean them up before you deal with the main issue, which is them coming to Christ. Right. That's what it's getting at. And so he's saying, like, don't be unwise. It's a hard thing, isn't it? It's not an easy answer, because who are we supposed to do that with? What's that look like? Because we do know that the scripture says that we are to go out into the world and tell people about Jesus. We're supposed to live a life that reflects Christ. Go, tell, live. That's our whole mission here at the church. That's every church's mission, right? We just got a cool phrase, right? But the whole point is is that we have these things there for a reason. That's our job. That's what we are to do. But there's a time and a place sometimes, and I saw this in the military. I was in a military with a guy that was a Satan worshiper. Trust me, he was very cynical about the Lord. And he knew I was a Christian. And so he actually tried to get me in trouble for reading my Bible in the corner by myself whenever I was waiting on a run to go out to take a run. And, and I didn't get any trouble for it, but my point is this guy was obviously against it. So no, I wasn't going to him and being like, you know what, I need to talk to you about your satanic Bible, <laughs> right? Like I didn't, no, I just loved him as best as I could. I tried to, my best to just be the hands and feet of Christ and to, to try to be an ear if he wanted to talk about it. I said in first service, and I'll say it again, there was a lady that I knew uh, that I worked in a job here before I went full-time here at the church. And, and she was this Latino lady from New York. I loved her. But the first day I met her, I told, you know, they asked about more about me and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, I'm here to, to help plant a church. Like, that's my heart. That's what I want to do. And she was like, oh, don't even begin. Don't even start talking to me about this. Blah, 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 blah. And she's like telling me about like, I don't even want to hear this, nothing. And I was like, okay, fine. And so I kind of gave her her space. And I would joke around a little bit with her, but it was really surfacey. And then it was like six, seven months later into my job there that she called down to my office from upstairs. And I'm like, oh, dude, she probably wants to yell at me about something. She's good at that. Um, (laughs) But she called me up and she said, she's like, my mom's in the hospital. Would you pray with me for her? That's then a chance to start saying, okay. You know, and so I was able to tell her like, listen, You can come to your own relationship with God and pray. I will gladly pray for her and I'll gladly pray with you. But my prayer is no more powerful or important than yours. And so I would pray with her. And it started out where I was just praying. And there were times at the end, she's like, oh, God, if you're there, you know, but it was cool because it was an opportunity to grow and learn and be together. And it started because I didn't say you swear all the time or you've got a really foul mouth and you treat your husband like crap and you do. I didn't say any of that. Even though, yes, I looked and I'm like, ah, you're rough. You know, there's a time and a place and God uses all of that. So again, it's never saying you're swine. That's all you're ever going to be. Not at all. It's literally saying, God, would you bring this person up out of this stuff? Would you help them see there's a better way? That's the point. So it's not Negative. You know, to conclude, the truth is, is that Jesus is continuing through this to teach us some really hard things. Why are they hard? Well, because guess what? Myself as a pastor, I can't tell you what it looks like for you. I can't tell you who your pigs are and who your dogs are. I can't tell you who might turn around and devour you at your workplace. I don't know. So you have to do the work of seeking the Lord in prayer and saying, God, how do you want me to deal with these people? Lord, give me wisdom and discernment to know what this looks like. Do I just back off from this person? Because I think that it's a lie of the enemy sometimes to be like, you've got to tell everybody about Jesus. now, no, 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 no. You'll see it on Facebook and you'll see these guys. And guess what? Most of the time, those people that are like that constantly, it's just like, you know, Holy Bible's being tattooed on everybody's heads because they're hitting them all upside their head. People don't want to be around them. And so the reality is God says, use your brain, use your spiritual brain to say, Lord, help me. Make me exactly the person you want me to be in this person's life. And if that is being quiet for right now, so be it, Lord, but I'm going to keep praying for that person. That's the thing we don't ever lose sight of. God is not done until the day you draw your last breath. He's not done with you and he's not done with them. And the fact is, guys, is I'm glad God gave us stuff in here to chew on. That it's not all milk. Right? We're not in high school getting out in the football field being like, let me drink my lunch. Okay, yeah, now you're going to break all my bones because that's all I got in me. Right? No, we chew on meat. We mature. We grow. We get stronger in the Lord. We recognize that not everything is easy. And not everything is crystal clear. And that's okay. So it, it brings up. Questions in this passage and there's some big questions for us to ask ourselves as a church number one Are we willing to be sharpened by our brothers and sisters when they might bring things up that we don't want to hear Are we willing Again, I can't answer that for you. You've got to answer that I would hope the answer is yes Are we willing to love our brothers and sisters enough to sharpen them? Are we willing to do that are we willing to say God (laughs) Yes, I still, I still have a splinter in my eye and I still feel like I don't have any of this figured out. But God, I know, I feel like you're wanting me to go and talk to my brother or talk to my sister about this. And so I'm going to step out in obedience and do that. Can I, can I tell you something? So often the enemy wants to sell you a bill of goods that you're going to be ridiculed or, or feel like everyone thinks they hate you and all this and that. And so often I've found in church when it's a group of believers That are really seeking after God, it's literally the polar opposite. It's like, thank you for pointing that out. And yes, I have been dealing with that. And so, will you pray with me? Will you come alongside me and help me? I've been sitting here suffering, waiting for somebody. And so, are we willing to be that? And the last question is this and listen, I've got it easy because I work in the church, so pretty much I see Christians. I actually love going and sitting in a coffee shop. Because I can get into other conversations that way, but the truth is for you guys That are going to jobs every day that have who knows if there's any christians at all, you know There's a brother here that works on a boat and he says he goes out for weeks on end and he's out there with Basically, no christians That's got to be hard. And so the question is Can we trust god that he's going to give each of us wisdom? and discernment in our situation. God's word says in James, right? Do not ask amiss. Ask trusting that he's going to give it to you. And so can you trust God enough to say, God, help me to see and know what it looks like in my context to refrain from casting my pearls before swine? What does that look like? And how is God going to use even the thing that you feel is the opposite of what you should do for his good in the end? Let's not shy away from asking hard questions. Amen? Let's pray. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Great Bay Calvary Church in Dover, New Hampshire. We're so glad you found us. If you want to learn more about our services or need prayer for something going on in your life, come connect with us at greatbaycalvary.com.